It is John Smallwood, Edward Bow, and our special guest today is Dane Mylon from Medicare Supplement. Welcome, everybody. Dane, welcome. Hello. Everybody's mic's working. Ed, so, everybody, so good. everybody. I think it's working. All right. <laughs> so, what I I want to kind of just step back for a minute and say. Welcome to probably one of the most beautiful days in this part of the country that we've had uh, in a long time. It is spectacular. I know there's storms coming. I know there's forest fires on the West Coast, but right here, right now, it's really nice. Um, so, I, Dane, thanks for being here. Uh, My pleasure. Appreciate that. One of the things that Ed and I talk about is financial pressure, and financial pressure really come from a lot of separate areas. One of the biggest things that I see is the health insurance arena and how to properly cover yourself throughout your entire life. And Dane is a expert in the Medicare supplement area, so we're going to spend a lot of time on that. I've got a lot of questions. I know our clients have a lot of questions. In the in the handouts i put together uh we have a little guide on what to think about before getting a medicare supplement as normal i have the nine core principles of navigating financial pressure this happens to be one of the large ones and then also the document the 19 sources of retirement income these are great documents to download share etc little update on eve's campaign uh, Dane, you weren't on the last few weeks, but Eve has a lunch break campaign that she's been putting together. We have donations here at the office. She's actually raised over almost over $6,000. She's making the presentation on Wednesday afternoon around one o'clock to lunch break with the principal of Red Bank Regional. Um, so she's excited about that. So I really want to thank everybody for their, for their generous donations. She's shocked that she raised $6,000. And uh, without everybody that's on the phone, we couldn't have get, uh, we could not have had this happen. So Dane's company, Medicare Sup America, MedSupAmerica.com, located in the wonderful town of Shrewsbury, New Jersey, all within a stone's throw of here. So Dane, Dane has a background in doing just Medicare supplements. So every time I talk to him, every time I run into him, every time I see him at the car wash, he's a wealth of information. So what I wanted to do, people that this works for, right, is the big concern that I'm hearing now is retirements are being sped up. We're seeing people leaving the workforce 60 62 done and the idea is the medicare doesn't kick in until later so later on what i want to talk about is in this 60 to 65 what should how should we approach that um but before we get into all those things medicare supplement and choosing what are the right options Let's go through the basics and just tell us what do people have to think about as they approach this wonderful age and how they elect their. I mean, I I, I don't think that um, I don't think we have enough time in the next two days to describe every scenario because people 
really think that it's one size fits all and it's anything but one size fits all. Uh, and just in the, the couple minutes of your intro, you talk about somebody that's retiring that might be 62 years old, somebody that's retiring that might be 63, somebody that's retiring that might be 70, somebody that's retiring from a big company uh, up in New York, uh, Washington, California, anywhere, somebody that's in a small company, uh, somebody that has options they, they, they don't even understand. So, but I mean, here are the basics of Medicare. Let's take two examples. Let's take somebody that is aging into Medicare and aging into Medicare, we're gonna have a, 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 a fake example of, of John Doe and John Doe's date of birth is October 15th, 1955. John Doe uh, right now has an individual policy because John Doe uh, retired at age 60 from XYZ hardware store. So John Doe, as John Doe approaches uh, 65, Medicare would be effective on the first day of John Doe's birth month, which would be October. So born October 15, 1955, Medicare A and B would be effective on October the 1st. Let's say just for simplicity's sake that John Doe is also collecting Social Security. If John Doe is collecting Social Security, John Doe would automatically receive a Medicare card with Medicare A and Medicare B illustrated on that card. Also with that, that uh, welcome letter would be, if you don't want your Medicare, here's the opportunity to refuse it. But John Doe, who's on an individual policy, needs his Medicare because by law, Medicare would become his primary insurance on October the 1st. Let's say John Doe is not collecting Social Security. This is one of the milestones that people consistently miss because they just don't get the right general advice. But if John Doe is not collecting Social Security, it's going to wait till full retirement age, age 70, whatever the case might be. There's no automatic mechanism for John Doe to collect his Medicare on the first day of his birth month. So John Doe needs to apply. And the easiest way to apply is online. However, John Doe needs to have a socialsecurity.gov account, a personalized account, because as of a year ago, a year and a half ago, in order to enroll online through Medicare, you need to have a socialsecurity.gov account. So let's take all those simple pieces and we just, and it's anything but simple, right? I see you laughing. So it's, uh, it, it's anything but simple. And you, you add COVID into this, which has completely upended uh, Social Security and Medicare and everybody else. It makes it a little more difficult, but in some ways, actually, it's streamlined itself. But so we've got John Doe in scenario A. So John Doe, we now know how John Doe needs to apply for his Medicare A and B if he's not collecting Social Security. So let's now take John Doe's brother, Bob Doe, and almost sounds like Bob Doe election season. Um, so we've got Bob Doe, and Bob Doe uh, worked for Ace Hardware Store uh, in the town next to where his brother lives. They, they happen to be twins, just for example, uh, say. And Ace Hardware Store is less than 20 employees. Bob Doe needs his Medicare because Medicare will become his primary on the first day of his birth month. Again, similarly like his brother would be October the 1st. He has company insurance. This is where the waters start to get a little muddy. So Bob Dove says, I have company insurance. Why should I apply for my Medicare? Well, because if you work for a company with less than 20 employees, 
Ace Hardware store uh, over in the, the next town over. Less than 20 employees say they have 10 people there. He needs to apply for his Medicare because the Medicare rules say that Medicare becomes his primary insurance on October 1. Now, he certainly could keep his hardware store insurance if he chose, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he absolutely positively needs his Medicare A and his Medicare B. Same enrollment circumstance, either enroll online uh, or if he's collecting Social Security, there's an automatic mechanism. So now we've got, you want to ask a question? I do. So earlier, you mentioned a comment about opting out of it, that you don't want A and B. Who does that and why would one Good question. So say say these brothers are now triplets. Now we have a third brother and we've got uh, we've got Phil Doe. So now we've got the family's getting bigger as we speak. So we've got triplets. These guys were born in 1955. They were an anomaly at the time. They were born in beautiful downtown Red Bank. So we've got the three brothers. So one of them is retired. He retired at age 60. He needs his Medicare A, his Medicare B. The second brother works at the local hardware store, less than 20 employees. He needs his A, he needs his B. The third brother works for a mega chemical company up in North Jersey that has a thousand employees and he's covered by mega chemical companies uh, uh, health insurance plan. No spouses at this point. Let's just leave all these three guys are bachelors, okay? Yep. Why would, well, first off, we're gonna talk about the third brother that works at mega chemical, not collecting social security, doesn't apply for his Medicare A or B, doesn't think he needs it. And in his case, he doesn't. It's a large group. His large group health insurance is primary. Medicare would be his secondary. Why would he want it? So if he were collecting Social Security, but he's not, he would opt out. So there's an example. The third brother wouldn't need his Medicare A and his B. Could he apply for it and get it? Certainly. Does he need it? Not necessarily. Is that because he's going to have lifetime health insurance coverage through the big chemical company or? Uh, the chemical only insures him. We're going to throw in another uh, layer of the onion here. Let is only going to insure him until he retires. So let's talk about that. So yeah. we've got the two brothers that we talked about. We've got, we've got retired uh, dough. We've got small company dough. Now we've got big company dough uh, that, that worked for mega. And he's 65 in October. And let's say we're going to fast forward. I mean, anybody that can predict uh, what next five years is going to look like five years from now, I want to be on the same island that they're at with a little umbrella drink, but we can't. So let's go. Let's go two years down the road. So now the brother that works for Mega is 67 years old. He decides to retire. His company does not offer lifetime health insurance, uh, but he's going to retire January 1 of uh, 2020. Two, that brother at that time, and if it were today, needs to apply for and get his Medicare Part A and his Medicare Part B, because based on his retirement date, Medicare would become his primary. He needs his Medicare A and his Medicare B, even if he's COBRA eligible, because the COBRA law, COBRA rules, say that as soon as you're COBRA eligible, Medicare becomes your primary, so this guy that works for Mega Chemical needs his A and his B, and then has to make a decision on supplemental insurance, or Mega might give him something at 50% off, who knows? But that would be that guy's enrollment circumstance. And the one from Mega would be eligible for his Medicare under a special enrollment period, not his initial 
eligibility period. So you've got three layers of the onion right there with these three brothers. Everybody is unique. <clears throat> if there's any takeaway from anything we're talking about, I'll probably say it more than once through this whole conversation, is that whatever you're doing, talk to somebody that's qualified, either when you're coming up on 65, Medicare eligibility, or retiring, get some good advice. I just had one last week where a gentleman uh, was retiring. His company offered to pay for his and his wife's COBRA until April of 2021. This gentleman turned, the, the retiree turned 65, I'm sorry, the retiree's wife turned 65 in April of this year. He's 65 in April of next year. He called me looking for a little bit of advice. And I said, well, gee, you know, your wife is going to need her Medicare A and B. And he said, oh, no, no, the company's paying for the COBRA. I said, well, call the company back and call the third-party administrator and ask them if your wife needs her A and her B. The company said no, amazingly. Social Security and the third-party administrator said, or Medicare said, yes. That's another layer. I mean, it's, John, it can get so confusing for even the professionals that the novice sometimes gets crushed. That's why they hopefully call a guy like me. Right, and it, it's daunting when you sit here and you're going through this because you have a big firm that's saying, yes, you don't need it, or yes, you need it, or a small firm, or you know, I'm out earlier than 65. And it is like, it seems like there's so many little nuances. What do you see as like the biggest mistake that people make walking into this, you know, three options here? I mean, is it not collecting it soon enough or is it not signing up for it? Or what do you see being the biggest well, issue? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what we've seen a lot of because of the current pandemic uh, is a lot of people retiring that otherwise would not have retired. Okay. So we've got groups of uh, school teachers where school teachers, a lot of teachers uh, have taught not for the money, but for the love of uh, teaching uh, that might not have worked long enough for fully funded retirement benefits from their state or from their school. We've got um, physicians. Uh, we've uh, seen quite a few doctors that uh, they figure it's time to retire, which, you know what, they've been you know, practicing and they're now 75 years old. Uh, we've seen business people that are retiring uh, try to you know, uh, take take advantage of uh, wanting to grow a little older with their kids. I mean, the pandemic has thrown an awful lot of curveballs, but what we see is a lot of SEPs, and SEPs are special enrollment periods. Uh, the special enrollment periods are triggered because folks were initially eligible for Medicare waived off of it because they were still working in a school system. They were still mm -hmm. working for a hospital network. They were still working for a big company. Uh, they could have been working for a large law firm and are retiring. So, you know, we've seen an awful lot of um, increase, and I'm sure I'm not alone, of uh, folks that are retiring. You add that to the never-ending uh, growth of the 65-year-old. I mean, they're still making 65-year-olds. Um, people ask me all the time, Dane, are you still busy? Uh, well, we're fortunate we are still busy because they're still making 65-year-olds. I mean, it's you know certainly the largest growth uh, uh, sector out there. Um, but the enrollment circumstances, we have people that we're talking to that um, they just they're just not getting the 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 correct advice. It might not be what they want to hear, but it's what they need. I mean, you take you know we talked about this, uh, John, you and I, a couple of times where we talk about an income-related adjustment. 
or let's take somebody that is uh, retiring now in uh, October of 2020, and uh, Social Security goes back and to determine the Medicare Part B premium. Remember, Medicare Part B is a part of Medicare that you pay for. Medicare Part A is free if you've worked 40 quarters in your lifetime. But let's take somebody who uh, had, had a couple of good years, 2018, 19, and 20, uh, and the normal Medicare Part B rate is $144 per month, uh, where they had a, a, a uh, unusually high income in 2018, which is a tax return that um, uh, Social Security and Medicare is going to look at, and they come back with an IRMA adjustment. An IRMA adjustment is income-related adjustment based on a tax return. Um, people come back and they say, whoa, 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 I just got my Medicare Part B bill and it's going to cost me an extra $200 a month. Well, the reason it's going to cost them the additional 200 bucks a month on or thereabouts is that a good tax year in, in uh, 2018. Um, what is the maximum that can be charged above that base? Of the go, into the, go into the 400s. In the, in the 400s. But somebody's got to have a, 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 a pretty decent income. To uh, to trigger that kind of an amount, you know what the you know what the break is, what what that income is. I uh, I'd say they're probably in the you know north of four hundred to seven fifty. Okay, okay. So and if it's if it's a couple, it's per person or is it? It's it's per person. So good question asked. So let's say uh, you know John and uh, Mary Doe are retiring. Um, he was a um, a physician and. Uh, she was a, a nurse, who knows? And they had a uh, adjusted gross income of let's say $500,000 in 2018. They're both going to pay the income adjustment. Now, let's say that in 2021, their income uh, through retirement and everything else, or the distributions, whatever, falls uh, down to 150,000, then that IRMA adjustment can go away, but you have to apply, you have to appeal that, that adjusted number uh, down and basically tell Social Security, look, I'm retired, my wife's retiring, our retirement income is going to be 150. It's not 500 like it was two years ago or or, or in, in 2019. So you can do that earlier. You don't have to wait the year because once you pay the premium, there's no. Well, no, no, that and no, no, that's because let's let's go to 2022 and say for a second you did nothing they'll see that you weren't supposed to pay that in the following year so that number can go up it can go down but really why wait for the money you know if you've got two people that are being income adjusted say 350 bucks a month each 700 80 400 bucks a year why not you know why not get that money in your pocket sooner uh, than leave it in the government's pocket makes sense so i get the medicare a and i get this i get the b and i'm paying for it can I survive with just that, or do I need to have some additional insurance? No, there you you need your additional insurance. I mean, you you look at Medicare Part A and Medicare Part B, and although in my humble opinion, I believe it's the best health insurance that anybody can get in the United States of America. I'm a big believer in Medicare. It's littered with copays and deductibles and coinsurances. I mean, basically, you're talking about Medicare Part A, and here's the, here's the basic components of Medicare. Yeah, Medicare Part A, and the easy way to remember Medicare Part A is Medicare Part A means being admitted in the hospital. The right. easy way to remember Medicare Part B is Medicare Part B is pretty much everything other than being admitted in the hospital, but not maintenance drugs. So what does that mean? That means doctor's office visits, outpatient visits, 
going to a hospital through an emergency room. An emergency room is a Medicare Part B, B visit, not A, because you're not admitted. God forbid chemo, radiation, orthoscopic surgery on your knee. Go to a dermatologist's office and your doctor says he doesn't like something on your arm and he wants to take it off for a biopsy. All those are procedural aspects that are under Medicare Part B. Doctor's office visits are Medicare Part B. Physical therapy, medical Medicare Part B. Um, all those things are Medicare Part B. Then you have Medicare, and these are just the basic components of Medicare. Then you have Medicare Part D, and Medicare Part D is prescriptions, maintenance medications. You could be taking um, uh, the generic of Lipitor, Torvastatin for cholesterol. Uh, you could be taking a blood pressure medication. You could be taking something for uh, for sleep or anxiety, any of those things. Uh, you could have heart medications. I mean, the big see on TV all the time, uh, Zeralto, things like that. Uh, you've got a, 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 a ton of meds that are out there that are Medicare Part D. Now, when somebody becomes Medicare eligible and they're making a determination as to what they want to consider, right? And each part of the country or each state kind of is uh, its own little kingdom uh, where if you live in Florida, uh, you have uh, uh, availability of plans called Medicare Advantage plans, much like you do in New Jersey. Those are kind of blended plans where you trade in your Medicare A and your B, your little red, white, and blue card, and you get a, uh, an Advantage plan. An Advantage plan is a managed care plan for Medicare. It typically encompasses the values of Medicare A, Medicare B, Medicare D. They all have to meet the basic minimums in Medicare. So those have co-pays, deductibles, co-insurances, and things like that. The other side is where you take Medicare, your Medicare A and your Medicare B, and you get what's commonly referred to as a Medigap or Medicare Supplemental Insurance Policy. And that's kind of what people refer to as the alphabet suit. There are letter designations that go along with the plans. Some plans have very um, uh, generous benefits. Some plans are almost bare bones plans. Um, you try to find a, a good balance for those plans. You know, we're talking about people that retired, uh, retiring now possibly that are eligible for plans that were no longer available after January 1 of 2020, commonly referred to as the plan F like Frank. You, know, you can go all the way back and look at some of the other plans. But today, if it were today and somebody were to speak to somebody like me and talk about traditional supplemental insurance policies, I'm a big fan of the plan G like George. The plan G, the, the traditional Medicare supplemental plan G like George is the one that I believe is probably most budgetable, predictable, and reliable. It's the one that will meet most people's expectations more than adequately, depending upon their enrollment circumstance, kind of depends upon an age, depends upon what their premiums might be. But really what, what people want to do is they want to look to, um, you know, offset, mitigate the uh, expenses, which can be considerable in the world of Medicare by itself. So to go full circle back to your question, you know, is somebody okay with just Medicare A and Medicare B? Sure, they could be. But if you get sick, you're going to have coinsurances, deductibles, and copays that could be significant with really almost no way to get additional coverage uh, if you don't get it at the right time. Right. So the supplement, what are the 
let's say G, it, how is the pricing determined on that? Is it income generated or? No, is it absolutely not. Nope, not income generated. Uh, a traditional supplemental insurance policy uh, is rated by age and by community, depends upon where it's issued and what state. And, and uh, you know, they, they can be different in terms of pricing. Uh, if you live in, um, um, uh, if you live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Broward County, uh, could be more expensive than if you live in Monmouth County here in New Jersey. If you live in Manhattan, uh, which is uh, one of the five boroughs uh, in New York City, uh, could be uh, more expensive than if you lived in um, Oneida County, upstate New York. I mean, it, you know, that, that's where it gets a little more confusing. So really it's kind of a home court rule as to what your rate will be. It's not based on income. It is based on where you live. New Jersey is a community rated state, just by example, where you would have the same rate whether you lived in the southernmost town in uh, New Jersey to the northernmost town in New Jersey for a supplemental insurance policy. Whereas conversely, if you lived in uh, New York State and you lived out in uh, Suffolk County, your premium might be different than if you lived in Herkimer County in upstate New York. So New York is driven by zip code. So I have a question. Sure. Um, we're talking about co-pays and, and you know other expenses, and uh, so. There's a thing called the donut hole. Um, yeah. And I, I think they've made a change to it, but I'm again, you're the expert. I'll defer to you. Um, I saw this happen with some, you know, one of my relatives where they, you know, and I'll let you comment on it, what the donut hole is and, and when it comes to prescription drugs and, and the cost and the copay. So. So that's that's Medicare Part D, just so we're clear. So we'll we'll leave the discussion of Medicare A and Medicare B and supplemental insurance for a second. And now we'll hop over and we'll talk about the generalities in Medicare Part D. Medicare Part D is Medicare's prescription drug program. It is only administered by insurance companies. So if you call Medicare, and just to, just to give you a broad brush view of what we're talking about first if you called medicare and you said hi i'm john doe i live in monmouth county new jersey i'm becoming 65 october 1st of this year i take um the generic of lipitor and i take uh, a generic blood pressure medication uh medicare uh, could run that for you through their search engine no different than what's available to any of us either uh, your your folks that are uh, watching or any of us, you go to medicare.gov, you plug in your, your prescriptions, and it spits out a list of what the potential uh, drug plans are. So you've got that. So, but let's talk about the donor hole. Let's talk about it. So you're, you did talk about Medicare Part D and the donor hole, and the donor hole's out there, and the donor hole basically uh, went away. It's uh, the coverage gap um, it's, it's filled in more um, adequately now by insurance companies and discounts and things like that. But the donut hole is technically after you have gone through your deductible phase of a plan, and the deductible for 2020 is $435 for Medicare Part D. What that means is before an insurance company will pay for any of your benefit and you pay a copay, you have to make it through the deductible. Here's one confusing part about that though. Let's just talk about that for one second so we're kind of clear because a lot of people will ask this question after we've talked about Medicare Part D. So let's take two examples. Let's say that you're 65 on October 1 and you take one generic maintenance medication. Let's use the generic Lipitor, which is a torvastatin, very common uh, cholesterol med. On most plans, 
that is a preferred generic and is in some cases $2 could be free if you use a preferred pharmacy. So if you take that med and only that med medication, you would never even begin to, to crush into the deductible or donut hole or anything else. But let's take one out there uh, like Xeralto. And Xeralto is just for, for easy math's sake, since it's a little more than 435, but let's say it's worth $435 for a 30-day supply. That's the retail value of that associated with that drug in a specific plan. And we're not gonna talk about specific plans now because we can just confuse people even further. But let's say you're in a, a plan that doesn't cover the deductible and you are given a prescription for Pradaxa, which is just make believe for a second is $435 for a 30-day supply. When you went to your local pharmacy, CVS, Walgreens, family pharmacy, doesn't matter, and you walk in with that prescription and you say, hi, John Doe here, I just got Pradaxa, it's October 1, I just got my Medicare and I got my Medicare Part D plan, here it is, what do I owe you? They tell you $435. So after you fall over, because you didn't think that you were gonna pay $435 for a med, you thought you had Medicare and everything was gonna either be free or cheap, you pay the 435. The subsequent months that you go to get your 30-day supply, that drug could be $40, it could be $35 for a 30-day supply. But let's use $35 as the example, just for example discussion purposes. So you pay the first $435, and now your copay until you reach the coverage gap is $35. Even though you're paying the $35, it's the full cost of that drug, which is $435 in our example, that will bring you to the coverage gap. Mm. And not to get into too many specifics because I'm, I, I, I'd almost guarantee you we'd lose a lot of people through this discussion, but then when you hit the coverage gap, it's 25% you, seven, I'm sorry, 25% you, 75% them. So in that example, see if I got a calculator, hang on, let me grab a calculator. So in that example, if you've got, sorry, I get, I get my trusty calculator. So if, if you hit the coverage cap and it's 75-25 and you have a $435 drug and you were only paying $35, but now your copay just went to $108.75. There's the 25% of that drug. Sticker shock, right? So when we talk about drug plans with everybody, we, we never ask to be personal, but what we say to somebody is, what are you taking? How much are you taking? Are you sure that's what you're taking? Because the amount of people that will call us and say, oops, something came up there. A lot of people call us and, and say, you know, I'm taking Lipitor, I'm taking this, I'm taking that. And we say, well, you know, are you sure you're not taking the generic? And they say, oh, no, no, absolutely not. But then they go get the bottle and they're taking the generic. So it's very important to be very crystal clear as to what you're taking because that can have a huge impact. Uh, Medicare Part D, we're getting ready to come into the Medicare Part D season. So out of all the people that we know and we insure, we reach out to people on an annual basis and say, listen, we haven't talked to you in uh, six months, five months, a year, whatever. Has anything changed with your prescriptions? We need to know because in order to do the best job for you for the next year, we need to do a review for you. We encourage, whether it's with us or anybody else for that matter, anybody who takes any medications needs to review that on an annual basis. The, the moving target in the world of Medicare 
is the drug plans. The drug plans change every year. The drug plans, the, the, the smaller numbers are usually the premium numbers, although the, the past couple of years, a couple of real popular plans have taken some pretty significant increases in terms of premium. But the moving target is, is my drug still covered? Did it change tiers? Am I getting the best bang for my buck? It pays to shop. And when we talk to people, even if it's a plan that we don't quote unquote sell, um, we're going to recommend a plan to people. And they're out there. I mean, we talk to people all the time. We say, listen, we can't sell you this plan, but this is the one you should be in because it's going to save you 800 bucks next year. There's a lot of room for savings in Medicare Part D. When you get into some of the more expensive medications, particularly some of the heart meds, there are some injectable medications out there that are crazy expensive. Uh, you're talking about Embrel, you're talking about Humira, um, uh, Stolera, any of those that are out there. Those are in the multi-thousands of dollars on the retail side. People will immediately crash from one phase of Medicare Part D to the other, go through the deductible, go through the initial coverage phase, go through the coverage gap donut hole, then into catastrophic. We always recommend that people leave no stone unturned. People might qualify for plans, subsidized plans that they're not even aware of. New Jersey has two great plans, by the way. Uh, one's called PAD, the other one's called Senior Gold. They're, they're, they're based on income. Uh, somebody may live in a really nice house that they own, but their income is moderate to low. Uh, they may qualify for that because assets typically don't count towards those programs. Um, but Medicare Part D, everybody that you know, Anybody that you know should absolutely review it. What we do for people when they send in their, their uh, Medicare drug lists to us to help review, we'll tell you you're okay in the plan you're in, you might want to change, or oh boy, you got to change and here's why. Um, they, they, they change every year. And I see it, I see what you're talking about because frequently people like, like it, it's like I get it and I don't want to pay attention to it anymore. And then my life is changing, the meds are changing, all of a sudden my costs are ratcheting up. And I know when you look at it, if you could be wasting thousands of dollars for that you're not getting the benefit for. Yeah. And you know, again, it's that transfer of wealth, it's that financial pressure that we're discussing. So really, as part of a regular review, the client really should be having their Medicare supplement reviewed every single year to make sure it should, that it, it absolutely, should. absolutely should. I mean, the, the Medicare Part D at a minimum, you look at it once per year. Then there are the qualifying events. You know, and here's here's one of the things that we see that that folks out there and anybody who's listening or watching, um, we've seen a lot of people that are relocating uh, and they leave, let's just say, Monmouth County, and they go to. Uh, I mean, a big one uh, we've seen a lot of people go to, looks like a beautiful place is uh, down uh, in South Carolina, you know, go down to Merle's Inlet, any of that. I mean, those places look awesome. Uh, but yeah. here's what changes is that your Medicare Part D, whether you have it through AARP, Humana, Blue Cross, doesn't matter. But when you change your zip code and move out of the area that you're in, your Medicare Part D particularly state to state, some cases within state, but let's talk state to state, it will change. So you innocently call Medicare and Social Security because, you know, we're all, you know, designed to, uh, to to be good people and do what we're supposed to do. You call Medicare and Social Security on August 30th and say, I am moving to Merle's Inlet on uh, September 1st, and that's my new address and everything. 
little do you know that your plan, your drug plan needs to change for September 1. You get in the car, you load up the Buick, off you go, you and Chevy Chase and the family, and then you're on your way down and you end up in Merle's Inlet and uh, you go to fill a prescription on September 5th and you hand them your Medicare Part D card and they say, it's not valid right now. And you want to mean it's not valid, but it's not valid. And you call your, your agent, say, call me. You say, Dane, I moved. Okay, when did you move? August 31st. When did you call? August 30th. Okay. What they did is when they sit there, and this is a fault in the system, when they sit there and they click away, you get removed from your drug plan on the 31st or the 30th, whatever the last day of the month is, uh, of the month, and then you have time to find a new plan, but you wake up on September 1 with no coverage. What we always recommend to people is two things. Call and let us know when you're moving, and, and when, we, when we talk to our clients, whether it's uh, when we first uh, help somebody uh, sign up, or when they're uh, in their annual drug review or whenever it is. If you're moving, please let whomever you got your policies from know that you're moving also, because these are the kinds of things that could be headed off at the pass. So we say to people, if you're, if you're getting in the car, you're driving out of where you live on August 31st, and you're pulling into your new driveway September 2nd, because you stopped one night in, in uh, Richmond on your way to Florida, or wherever you're going, call and tell them after you get there. Because if you call them on the 1st of September, you're good in your plan until September 30th. Medicare changes plans first calendar day of each month. So you buy yourself a little bit of leeway there. So technically, you could be uninsured for that supplement at that moment and have a huge expenses that you weren't expecting. On the, on the, part, on the, on the part D side, absolutely. On the drug plan side, absolutely. Supplement applies state to state um, without a problem. But on Medicare Part D, that is a hole that needs plugging and people need to be aware of that bottom line talk to your broker talk to your financial manager talk to anybody who knows anybody let them know when you're getting ready to move we have a lot of people that are 65 to 70 that are they own their own uh, business let's say they have 40 employees they may have they might have 20 employees and then a union sector that might be in the construction business they might own whatever type of business, should that, once I hit 65 and I own the business, should I stay on the company health plan or should I look at getting off my plan and going on to a Medicare sub at that time? Well, you you have to look at each case closely. I mean, that's that's kind of tough to say. You know, you it's, it's really too broad of a question. I mean, it's a great question to ask, but what would I say to somebody who's coming up on Medicare eligibility, that's going to be turning 65 and they either own the company, they work the company, look very closely at it because you may have options that you're unaware of. Uh, there might be savings, there might be uh, more efficient coverage. Again, I'm a big believer in Medicare and I believe that Medicare is the best insurance, health insurance in the United States of America, period. Coupled with correct supplemental insurance and things like that, there's several pieces of the puzzle. Um, but in today's environment, uh, regardless of where you have your insurance, you're becoming 65, it's a real simple phone call because there's other things that could come into play. Again, there's just so many different aspects of group insurance that it, it really each each one should be reviewed individually. And we, I, you know, we also see, hey, I work for a big uh, pharma executive type thing or big company, and part of the retirement package is 
they're able to continue their health insurance at a particular cost to them. So that typically becomes the Medicare supplement, it becomes Medicare A and B becomes the primary, that becomes the secondary. But I think there's this, what I find frequently is that a, Medi a Medicare supplement is actually a, a more cost-effective way than continuing the continued health insurance. What would be a reason that somebody would stay on, you know, the company continued health care as opposed to getting on a Medicare itself? Well, I mean, I think some of that uh, would be uh, psychological sometimes in nature. So take anybody out there that's worked for a company for 35 years, has worked there long enough to have any sort of a retirement health benefit. You love the company you work for. You, you worked there for 35 years for a reason. So when you get the package that says, here's your health insurance for you and your wife, it's going to be $800 a month, $9,600 a year. Oh, and by the way, if you went a traditional supplemental insurance route, you may cut that in half. Sometimes money matters. It, it might not matter. I mean, but really, when I talk with people that are in that situation now, here's another way. Um, why might somebody stay on something like that? Uh, we just talked about expensive injectables, um, you know, uh, medications. Uh, they could have a very lucrative medic or a, a very lucrative uh, uh, drug benefit with that retirement package. Everything has to be looked at very closely. If somebody's taking one of the expensive injectables that has a retail value of $4,000 a month and they're going to get it for $35 a month for the next 12 months and uh, until they change the plan or whatever, then absolutely. I've had plenty of people sit at my table or I've sat at their coffee table or their kitchen table or their conference room table and I've said, you know what? I think you're best off on the plan you're on. And they go, Wait a minute, why is that? Well, because this is covered more favorably on your retirement plan than it is here. You know, the, the idea behind bringing a guy like me or a gal or anybody else like me in is not to get just one-sided opinion to say, you should, you should buy, 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 buy. You know, we're advisors really uh, by nature, okay? Uh, and you have to sleep at night. So when you, when you look at people that come to you and they say, look, I have this stuff, it's phone book size in thickness. I don't understand any of it. And John, to your point, where you've got people that say, I'm retiring from XYZ company, this is what I have. And although they'd love to sit there and save 50% on premium or 30% on premium, but at the end of the day, the full package says they're better off than where they could be individually, then that's a recommendation you're gonna get from a guy like me. So when I get up uh, to swing at the plate, I don't, I don't have to hit it out of the park every day. I just gotta get a good look at the ball and make sure that the ball is exactly gonna go where it's supposed to go. So back to your John Doe example. And, uh, oh, the Doe triplets? The Doe triplets, all right. So uh, my birthday, I think, was October of that year. October 15th. Right. Should I be reviewing it on my birthday? When, when do I review this? Like, what arbitrary date during the year do I review? Two-part two, two question. So you didn't even know it was a two-part question, but it's a two-part question. Well, I did have another question that I didn't ask. I was going to say, and then I have a wife who has a birthday, you know, in April. When do I do that one? Now you've made a three-part question, which actually just became a four-part <laughs> question. So let me give you—I'll give you the answer. So, so John and John and Jane Doe uh, are married. Uh, uh, John Doe uh, is a little younger than his wife. He's October fifteenth of uh, nineteen fifty-five. She's April fifteenth formerly tax day of uh, 1955, uh, and they both get Medicare supplements on their birthday. 
or I'm sorry, the first day of the birth month, they get their Medicare Part D set up, and now we're coming into this time of the year, okay? So let's talk about John Doe, who's October 15th. So if, if I do my job and I say to John Doe that he should be insured on October 1st, here's the, here's the confusing aspect for him. Even though it's his initial eligibility period for his Medicare Part D, which is October 1, he's also immediately coming into October 15th through December 7th, which is AEP, which is the annual enrollment period. So even though a guy like me would recommend him start your plan for your drug plan on October 1st, I'm already, he's already in my queue to look at his drug plan for all of the next year because we don't see data until the beginning of October. Can't recommend a change until October 15th. So he's got two enrollment circumstances. Jane Doe, she got her plan April 1 of 2020. She's coming into AEP also. So they both get the letter, you know, dear Jane and uh, John, uh, please let us know if anything's changed with your with your meds. John, we probably already know because it just started, but Jane may have gone to the doctor over the summer, changed her medication. That's the annual enrollment period. The annual enrollment period for drugs, all drug plans reset. The odometer resets January 1 of each year. So regardless of when you start, Jane in April, uh, John in October, John can be a December baby. Those plans automatically reset for deductibles and max amount of pockets and everything else on January 1 of each year. Supplemental insurance, let's talk about Medigap for a second. Medigap plans are typically um, anniversary date of, of the plan. So Jane is April 1, John is uh, October 1. What we do is we're constantly touching the market to see if somebody's in the best plan for the best time. Let's take them now and make them 75 years old, just for a second. Make them 65, 10 years ago, and they're both 75 now. That market continues to change also. So somebody who's in a plan uh, when they turn 65 might be a candidate now, 10 years later, five years later, whatever the case might be, to review if they're in the most cost-effective best plan. So let's just say plan G for plan G. Somebody can review those plans pretty much at any time. However, use New Jersey as an example, that's what we're sitting in, could be subject to underwriting. You can change those plans, but you typically have to prove eligibility through underwriting. Underwriting is a small series of health questions. Um, quite frankly, if somebody's not well, and they're getting the value out of their Medicare supplement plan, they don't want to change now anyway. Why would they? Um, number one, they might not be able to, and number two, the plan is performing exactly the way it's supposed to. Most of the time, we get phone calls to us that say, hey, Dane, I haven't talked to you in seven months. I was healthy as Jack Lane when I sat down with you at my kitchen table. It's seven months later. Let me tell you what happened, and let me tell you how well the policy performed. You know, we typically don't see claims on clients unless they give us a claim if there's a question or something like that. But but the answer is short answer to your question. So you've got a couple periods. You've got um, the annual enrollment for drugs. Uh, that period is coming up uh, October. Where everybody in the industry right now is kind of ramping up for that now. So this is really great information and really clarifying some of the questions that I have in my brain. And I read these things all the time. And then you go back into doing what you do. We've always looked at it in the planning process as 
the Medicare supplement and the Medicare B, those are just functions of what you're doing. You're trying to make sure that the income is low as you possibly can, so you have the least amount of cost, but that's not always possible. But if I'm 60 and I decided that I'm done and my company gives me COBRA for the normal time frame, what's my option when the COBRA ends till I get to 65? What are what should people be considering there? Well, here's what happens. And um <laughs> Let, let's make you 60 and you're leaving mega chemical you and your wife and let's make her 60 also uh, typical cobra without a, a you know a special event but cobra is 18 months so your cobra is going to take you from let's just say you just turned 60 to 61 and a half then your options as we sit in new jersey because we're only talking about jersey right now because that's where we're all sitting you know, you've got the individual marketplace. The individual marketplace uh, in terms of how would the individual marketplace compare to COBRA um, could be the same amount of money, could be a little more for COBRA, but the plans are completely different. I mean, the Affordable Care Act, um, you know, not picking on it, not saying good, bad, or indifferent, because I think there were multiple facets of the Affordable Care Act. Again, we're sitting in New Jersey, we want to talk about New Jersey, that were beneficial. Um, but so far as pricing goes, there's some sticker shock. Uh, and unless somebody is eligible for a subsidy, uh, which gets in a whole nother topic, we can talk on another, uh, you know, another one of your webinars, uh, but people get some sticker shock. Now, a lot of times people say, oh, I'm paying $600 a month each right now for my Cobra. It'll cost me, well, it's not going to be 600, but let's just make it dollar for dollar. The plans are different. A COBRA plan, which is a large group plan, typically over 20 lives. A lot of times people will confuse in the state of New Jersey, COBRA and continuation. Using New Jersey as an example, by the way, just so we're clear, if you work at XYZ hardware store and you retire at XYZ hardware store, you're not getting 18 months, you're getting 12 months if it's under 20 lives. It's technically a small group. Small group in state of New Jersey is 12 months versus 18. So, but the, the differences are typically in the coverage. Large group of plans typically offer greater benefit for the premium dollar than small group plans greater benefit in potentially a, a, a bigger network. Uh, whereas in New Jersey, individual plans uh, are New Jersey only. If you're out of state, say you go to Florida for two months in the wintertime, you have emergency coverage, but you cannot establish a relationship with an individual plan based out of New Jersey with a cardiologist in Florida. It's not happening. Um, whereas your COBRA plan, you might. You mentioned earlier in Florida, it just struck me with the with the thing that it, you know, Monmouth County versus Fort Lauderdale, the you might find it oh, Broward. huh? Broward, Broward. Yeah, Broward, Monmouth versus Broward County. How much more expensive is Broward County than Monmouth? I mean, have you done one recently? I'm just curious. You, you uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Florida is rated by zip code, so I would almost have to run a zip. But in some cases, uh, it can it can be more expensive. We we had a guy that was uh, just becoming Medicare eligible, was stuck down in the Keys for COVID, right? He's down there, went down there for a couple months, COVID kicked in. <laughs> At the time, Florida was a little more accommodating and less of, uh, of, of a COVID scenario than New Jersey. He stayed down there and we said, well, do you live there? No, I actually live in New Jersey, but what would it cost me if I was in Florida? To use that guy as an example, and he was in one of the Keys, 
uh, it would have been 300 and say, I'm just gonna, gonna round it. It's let's say 300 a month versus 150 a month. So Florida was a lot more in that gentleman's case, but it, it's, it's kind of person specific, but to answer your question. One of those things that you need to think about, because a lot of people will go, I'm gonna go to Florida and you know, I'm gonna get rid of the New Jersey tax, depending upon where the income is and the streams, you could lose the entire benefit with well, the who issued the policy too, by the way. Another another to, to muddy that up a little more. It depends upon which company issued the policy. Some companies will give you the home court rule. In other words, say you get your policy and it's based out of uh Red Bank, New Jersey, and you go to um Minnesota Key. Uh in some carriers, you'll pay the New Jersey home court rule, whereas some of the other insurance companies will re-rate you based on your move very important thing you brought that up because as people make that potential transition and people say to me and when they're retiring i said well where are you going to be well you know we we uh we're, we're getting a house in denver and we're keeping a condo in new jersey our kids live in denver whatever it's a great spot now everybody's going there um you know why do you ask well because it depends upon where you live depends upon where you might be rated you know you might start out with a plan in new jersey uh at 150 and end up in um uh you know outside of denver and it could go up I'm not going to say dramatically, but it could. Florida, we've seen some significant differences, though. In California, also. So, Dane, this is really, really helpful. Um, if you had to just finish this up and say, you know, three, four things that everybody should be doing with this every year. I mean, I the first one that I which is now going to be a new part of my annual review is get the Medicare supplement review. I, I would say 90% of the people that are listening to this, 90% of the people that will listen to this on the replay, don't review that annually. What else? Well, you want to look at that. Uh, if you look at me, use sunscreen. I was out on my boat yesterday and use enough sunscreen. So definitely use sunscreen. Um, but uh, but review it on an annual basis. Really look at look at what you have. And, and you know, there's not much that a guy like me can do for your Irma. Okay. That's where you guys come into play. Where we Irma, let's just stop that for a second. Income, Irma. Income-related adjustment. Income-related adjustment. Income adjustment. Good. Another term. It's not a storm. It's literally, it, you know, it's a Medicare qualification. Okay. Well, and, but it comes from Social Security because you get the bill, you know, they're, they're electronically talking. But you, so what do you do each year? You definitely want to review what you have, okay? Um, best case, somebody like me is going to say, you're okay. You're fine where you are, stay where you are. That's what people are looking for. Although people like to save money, they also want to, they also need to know that they're in the right plan. You know, this is the plan I'm in, what do you think? Uh, sometimes I'm gonna say, I think you're in a great plan. Sometimes I might shrug my shoulders and say, you might wanna look a little more differently. And you don't have to wait until the last minute because when you get into the busy time of the year, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, my office looks like the end of that movie, Trading Places, there's papers everywhere. We are an extremely busy office like most, Medicare guys and gals are. Um, so review it whenever you want with an update at the end of the year. There's nothing wrong with calling somebody now and saying, look, this is what I take. You know, get ahead of me, please. Let me know in that annual enrollment period for drugs. Uh, but look at look at everything on an annual basis. Look at it, but it's definitely keep in mind when you're gonna move. Uh, look at your options. You know, you talked about 
corporate health insurance plans. Corporate health insurance plans change every year. If they send you a phone si a phone book size document that says, hey, you know, we, we're glad you're still insured with us and everything, but this is what your plan is going to look like next year, take five minutes and look at it. They usually have a summary benefit of coverage in SBC that will let a guy like me be able to say very quickly, by the way, okay, or you need to change. Because it really, it really comes down to what you're taking from a prescription standpoint, whether or not you're going to stay on that company plan or not. Whether absolutely, absolutely, and and th and that changes year to year. I mean, uh, I literally was on a phone with a, with a client this morning that had a change in medication that uh, requires a formulary exception because nobody in the world of Medicare covers it without the formulary exception. His costs go up. Wow. So you know, yeah. This is really helpful. Um, I there's one of the things that if you have questions that aren't answered, one you can contact Dane. Two, you can get them to us, and we'll get them answered for you. A couple of things I want to go through before we end today. Um, we have a couple of resources that I want to make sure that everybody is aware of on the website. We have the financial pressure resources. Ed and I have done a lot of podcasts. Etc. On this, this is actually going to be posted to the podcast as well. We have the guide navigating financial pressure, which really talks about how to identify it and where to get it from. This is something I think is really great. The 19 sources of retirement income, rather than having one or two or three, you should have 19. And how do you get there? Also, eight steps of financial success guide. This is a new guide that we threw together as well that really comes together and brings together what we're trying to achieve in the financial planning process. The book has been published. It's out. It's out for about a month and a half now. It's your wealth. Keep it. We're doing quite well on the Amazon uh, wealth management side. So what I'd love for everybody that's listening, if you haven't left a review yet on the Amazon page, please do so. If you'd like an extra copy, um, let us know. We can get that to you. If you'd like to buy it on the Amazon site, that would be great as as well. Um, and then what I want to make sure that everybody is aware of on the website, we've also made it easy to set up a catch-up call where you can pick Ed or myself, you know, go through it, but you can also go directly to our uh, on the team page, go directly to myself or Ed, and that allows you to schedule directly with us. And if you're new, setting up a wealth curve conversation is this 30-minute conversation that we offer free, no obligation, where you get to talk to Ed or I and figure out where is the pressure that you have. If I am retiring in two or three years or six months, or I'm considering retiring because I'm, I don't want to go back to work, this is a great time to get all these things out. And the system is designed to find the first available timeframe for Ed or myself. So therefore you can get into this very, very quickly. Um, so all these options are here for you. Dane, I truly appreciate you being on today. I'm glad that I called you because uh, coming on right now would not have been great. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were, we were moving pretty quickly here to get this up and running. So uh, yeah. And uh, any Ed, any last comments before we? I thought it was some really great information. I mean, I learned a few little things in there too that I didn't know, you know. And uh, we all know somebody, especially at our age, uh, somebody's in the in the Medicare you know environment, and you know, just 
reviewing that and getting us getting a professional like Dane involved, I, I totally see the value in it. So, uh, you know, it's really I good. Think, I think we should send out a survey and say, how many times in the last five years have you actually done a complete review of the of your Medicare gap or supplement? I'll bet you you get back like less than 10%. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't. I mean, you really got to, you got to reach out to them. I mean, we, we send, we send our letters out. We communicate with our clients. We're constantly looking at uh, what their options might be. Um, but you know what, frankly, uh, John, like you said, I mean, you can send some out. Say you have a, say you have a hundred people that uh, uh, are in Medicare age and eligibility and they're enrolled in a plan. A lot of times they don't get back to you because they're in the middle of something. Uh, we, we see that, you know, so we we'll, we'll tap lightly and say we think you should review. Um, but, um, you know, we also know that people are getting the best value in the insurance that they have. The last thing somebody wants to do is change when they're not well. But again, it goes back to and one of the one of the great guys. I, I, I probably shouldn't say his name because you'd be getting mad if I said it probably. But one of the one of the greatest guys in the world of Medicare supplement always told me, he said, the best thing about Medicare supplement insurance is this budgetable, predictable, and reliable. And that is the absolute truth. When you sit down with somebody and there's no wild cards and there's no gray zone and somebody's not well, and they're staring down the barrel of a million dollars worth of problem, the only thing they're paying every month is their premium, they're getting by on the policy. That's a wonderful thing, knowing that you have the right coverage. And I, and I, I agree. Having the Medicare A, B plus the supplement, uh, it's you're really well protected. As long as you have the right one, even if you pick the bad one, and you're paying more for it that you don't need. You're still well taken care of. So I would say, you know, I'll just give you a footnote on this, John. Um, I would say when we get into the Medicare season, if you will, uh, you know, I'd be happy to come back on with you guys, uh, pull an hour out of the air, because I think that not only would you have uh, at least the amount of people that you have now, uh, but you, you'd probably uh, have a boatload more attendees. Um, you, you probably did very well with this. I know that uh, industry-wide, you guys are very uh, well-respected in what you do, but as a conduit for your clients to uh, look very closely uh, at, uh, at their enrollment time, please invite me back. I'd love to come on. You will be invited back, unless we get a bad review on then If you get a bad review, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was that because all the comments. Yeah, it was that. Uh, that guy. Somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I really appreciate this. It was really good to talk to you guys. Um, and um, we'll see you soon. And I think I think I'm gonna. I have a couple of meetings this week with people that are you know retired, and I think it would be interesting to get their feedback. I know I see that they're on this, so it'd be interesting to get their feedback, and we'll bring back some questions, and we'll get you on again to go through this, because it's really important to be covered right. It's that peace of mind. Uh, it's wonderful. And after the election, it might be a good thing to kind of distract, you know? <laughs> election? What election? <laughs> Don't forget the vote. <laughs> All right. Well, anybody needs me, you know, reach out. I'm happy to help. Uh, tell your uh, clients, your friends, your family, whatever, that uh, we're here for you. Even if it's a simple question, give a call. Those are usually the easiest ones to take. All right, guys? Great. Thank you, Dane. All, All right. right. Thank you very much. I'll talk Thank to you, you soon. Okay. Bye. Have a good day. Welcome to the end of the video. Smallwood Wealth Management is an investment advisor representative. The opinions expressed by Smallwood Wealth Management and guests on this show are their own. 
all statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice, information presented for this educational purposes only. Moreover, no listener should assume that any discussions or information presented serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized advice from Smallwood Wealth Management or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer of solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Smallwood Wealth Management is not a law firm or an accounting firm, and no portion of this presentation should be interpreted as legal, accounting, or tax advice. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Thank you for listening.